on this week's episode of Marketing O'Clock. LinkedIn is creating a new program to support content innovators on the platform. Don't let this week passage by without annotating your GA as passage-based ranking is finally here, though you wouldn't know. <laughs> Google Ads lets users stay in the SERPs with an extended use of lead form ad extensions. We find out why Ernie's bubble baths really mean business. Why new Google My Business auto recommendations may only apply to Scruff McGruff or those <laughs> taking a bite out of crime. <laughs> To find success, set your target CPA to $9,934.53. Oh, on today's show. Marketing O'Clock is your weekly dose of digital marketing news. A proud part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. We record every week from the Cypress North Studios located in beautiful Buffalo, New York. Tune in to our critically acclaimed Famous Friday News Show for insights, updates, rants, and much more as we cover the full gamut of digital marketing for you. If you want to follow along, just check out our show notes or head over to marketingoclock.com for all of the links from today's articles. And please subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. Hey there, I'm Greg Finn. I'm Mark Saltarelli. And I'm Jess Budd. And it is officially Marketing O'Clock. Here on February 19th, 2021. Remember, you can catch our famous Friday news show on YouTube or your favorite podcast player each and every Friday morning. All your digital marketing news from the week. Powered by the digital marketing community. And if you want to join the conversation, and please do, just hit us up. We are at Marketing O'Clock everywhere. What's happening, everybody? I literally <laughs> have nothing going on right now. Um, I just want to say, though, like, I'm single, didn't do Valentine's Day or anything. I made a joke to my roommate about, like, Olive Garden being, like, the destination for Valentine's Day. And guess what her boyfriend wanted to do for Valentine's Day? Order in from Olive Garden. Order in. And she's a vegetarian, so she had breadsticks and a salad. How does it work? Do they just keep coming every 15 minutes for the unlimited breadsticks? Or what? <laughs> to match it. <laughs> they keep well, sending them out. Again. Yeah. They <laughs> <laughs> need to give you like a button you can keep pressing it and deliver the breadsticks but unfortunately you can't do delivery so they got to actually drive to the olive garden on niagara falls boulevard by the mall (laughs) and there was just like flocks of people going there for valentine's day and a pandemic and they were like dressed up in like suits and dresses to go to olive garden so Olive Garden is the fine dining place to be, and it will always be that. I love it. Um, Well, (laughs) the most exciting thing in my life, I'm married and we don't really do Valentine's Day either, but my husband has been trying to court the crows that live around our house, which I love because I love crows, right? But he read that if you leave them like gifts, they'll come around. So he left them some bottle caps to find. This has been like a couple weeks this has been going on. Well, what do you mean? It's like shiny. What do you and want? It's... The crow to eat a bottle cap? No, Give they it collect like... it. You think a crow is going to pick up a bottle cap and collect it? Yes, I do. Apparently that's a thing. Would and you want stones. That as a gift? 
Well, no, he gave mine away and I was hurt, right? He gave it to the <laughs> But speaking of eating, we have a bird feeder in our backyard, which is mainly we attract like morning doves or cardinals or whatever, like normal birds. But the crows have been coming around. So I think he took it to the next level. We had a massive snowstorm uh, a couple days ago. We got like over, a foot, well, not over, probably about a foot of snow. And he was out in the backyard shoveling around the bird feeder underneath so that the crows and other animals would have a place to land. <laughs> Crows have eyes. <laughs> cool. He's got too much time on his hands. Something like that. All right. And so for obviously it was Valentine's Day. So my wife and I are very much the same as you. <laughs> and I said, hey, what did you get me for Valentine's Day? And she looks at me and goes, if you got me a Valentine's Day present, it's over. and i was dying laughing that's how you know you have a soulmate is when you're both on the same page although we did make our kids something and we they want a starburst we made a banner with little starburst on it so that's nice that's love that's cute if you have a grievance to air or spicy take to share anything you want to get off your chest our phone lines are open Visit call.marketingclock.com and leave us a voicemail. Oh, hey, and we have a voicemail from the one and only Azeem Digital. Woo! And he wins a shirt this week. Let's give it a listen. Hi, everyone. It's your friendly neighborhood Azeem here. You may recognize me from some podcasts as the Azeem Digital Asks podcasts and also Future Marketing O'Clock BFF of the show in waiting 2021-22. Just wanted to leave you a quick message. I listened to your show last week and you said nobody called in. So here I am. And I just wanted to confess that I won't be listening via Spotify this week, sadly. I'm going to have to check out the YouTube show because uh, I really need to see this human head-shaped microphone that you guys are talking about. Hopefully you've had the chance to purchase one in the last week. Um, And if you haven't, then I'm hoping you guys can get out and get one. Anyway, keep up the good work. Loving the podcast. Stay safe. And hopefully, when all this is over, we can meet in person real soon. Take care. I wow. Think, I think we've made it. Yeah. That we <laughs> have touched. someone campaigning for a clock skirt. Yeah, for BFF of the year. Mm-hmm. Like, Andrea, watch out. Yeah. And this is big. I know. And yeah, we'll have to get out there. We'll have to get the human head. We're actually thinking about making the microphone, like, no joke aside, trying to 3D print uh, ears and put condenser mics in there and try to see what it would sound like so you could have that. But if we do, we definitely need to start from human head and just jam it on there. So, cool. <laughs> Can't wait. All right. Thanks for the love, Azim. Yeah, thanks for calling. Mm-hmm. All right. What's new, What's in the news, Mark? I have some very important information for us this oh. week. Oh, do you want another pun? Because yes. No, I know. <laughs> yes. Google Ads announced that they will be extending the use of lead form extensions <laughs> beyond just traditional ad extensions that appear below the ad. So rather, so now you can use the lead at the lead form ad extension not just as an ad extension, but actually as an alternative to sending someone to the landing page. So like lead form submissions would be your campaign objective rather than converting someone on a landing page. And I actually love to see this. Um, But if you're unfamiliar with lead ad extensions, we previously talked about them a bit. They're now available on search, video, and discover campaigns, both on desktop and mobile. 
I'm super excited about this. I have so many campaigns I think this would work great with. I think anytime when you have keywords that are very straightforward in their intent and very bottom of the funnel that this could work great. I think personally, I'm going to run some experiments with a lot of my campaigns where I A-B test the um, lead ad extension versus setting them to a landing page. And obviously, if you go and try this, you'll want to monitor your lead quality versus a landing page and kind of suss out the impacts of not sending that traffic to your site. No, your bottom of the funnel remarketing audiences might get smaller by not sending traffic to these landing pages. There are some things to be aware of, but I think it's a really great opportunity to test. While I was looking into this, I did also see some kind of like weird um, limitations of lead form extensions that I didn't see before. So I just want to highlight these so they're not easily glossed over. If first of all, if you want to use these for video and discover, you have to have spent $50,000 in your Google ads account historically. So that is one thing. And then the other thing I didn't realize when you're making a lead form extension, you're prompted to choose higher intent or more volume, which don't really have definitions in Google ads. Mm -hmm. I was assuming that higher intent means there's no autofill and that more volume uses autofill. But Google was like, nope, it's just intent. And then I explored it more <laughs> and it said that higher intent has more click throughs and has more barriers to conversion than the more volume choice. And I was like, that doesn't really help me at all. And then I read the fine print and it's like, they only really use that distinction on video campaigns. So I don't know why it's an option when you're setting up the extension for search. Mm -hmm. So don't be confused by that. You can pretty much ignore it if you're not doing video. But overall, I love this and I'm excited to test it. Do you guys have any thoughts? Yeah, I mean, I, for the people that were saying this is a way to keep Google, to, to keep that traffic on Google, obviously yes. But also it is very important that you can just get somebody's e information and email like that's mm -hmm. we, we, again we just can't have nice things as digital marketers yeah. right like people just want to get, get mad yeah. about what it. are you going to do you're going to send that you want to send them to your site and have a lead gen form pop up how are you going to make that happen like everybody needs to chill out a little bit this is cool mm -hmm. like i don't get that hate yeah part of i it. i did not exceed and i saw that kind of like suggested in a few articles and they're like oh this is google trying to keep everything in the serp and i'm like well don't complain about it if this is being advantageous to you mm -hmm. like this isn't about google not sending traffic to your landing page like they don't care you're paying for this mm -hmm. this is all about getting higher conversion rates and getting those people in the door and having an easier user experience because things are auto-filled rather than having to type it in. This is completely 100%. There isn't a negative side of Google doing anything 
poorly here. This is very different from organic. And honestly, if you're an advertiser and you're upset about this, it's kind of like, well, do you, how do you feel about Facebook and LinkedIn lead gen forms? It's exactly the same thing. If traffic is your goal, this isn't for you. Yeah. This is industry standard stuff. Yeah. So chill out everybody. Like there's lots of things to be mad about Google here. The only possible angle you could be angry at them is what I pointed out was there are some things that are unclear about this, but as a feature, this is actually really cool and exciting. And if you're getting angry about the fact that there's different targeting on video, again, that's a you problem, not a Google problem. This is fantastic. All right. And next in the news from Danny Sullivan on his at search liaison Twitter handle, Passage Ranking is live. And it launched on February 10th, afternoon Pacific time. So the big thing here is to annotate that in your Google Analytics account. So you can see if there's any changes or any impact that it's had on you. And according to Danny, it is for the U.S. in English. It will come from more countries in English in the near future than to other countries and languages after that. We'll update this thread as those further launches happen. Head on over to marketingclock.com to see the full thread. And I guess you can just probably subscribe to at Search Liaison or at Danny Sullivan for more updates. But Glenn Gabe, at Glenn Gabe, 2019 BFF of the show, had an update from himself. And he said, more about passage-based ranking, which will only impact longer unstructured content. Scroll to text is not used for passages. Also, I dug a little deeper with scroll to text and noticed it kicked in on December 6th, 2020 for some sites and February 3rd, 21 for others, not when passages rolled out. So just one little disclaimer there. And then later in the week, I believe it was on the 16th, Glenn had an update and he said, quick update on passage-based ranking. I've dug in pretty heavily since it rolled out and haven't seen any major impact. That makes sense given what Google has explained about PBR. It only impacts longer unstructured content. The yawn GIF below sums up what I found so far. And he's got a GIF of Mr. Bean yawning. (laughs) Not Bean Dad, Mr. Bean yawning. And again, if there's anybody to spot something, it'd be Glenn. But to the credit of the internet, most of what Glenn has is not longer unstructured content. (laughs) It's good content. (laughs) So like maybe other people with poor websites and some of the bad marketers out there might have seen something. Mm-hmm. Anybody have any thoughts on passage-based ranking? I mean, thank you, Glenn, for doing all of this work for us. Absolutely. <laughs> doing the research so we don't have to. I love to see the difference in the SERPs, too, you know? Oh, Jess. How <laughs> do, I thought we were going to have a whole show without it. Sorry. <laughs> we'll link over to the rant of the year where I explained the I explained the before and after image. There is not a before and after. You cannot see there a difference, no difference in passages. I'm I'm happy you brought it up because I'm like I've brought this up too many times. <laughs> I pretended I, I can't keep bringing up the same thing week after week. So thank you for doing that for me, You're Joss. Welcome. <laughs> and honestly, like Glenn, not seeing much. It's kind of like if you've always been doing things right, like there's not going to be like major downward shifts in based on a ranking change. 
Yep. You don't need you don't need to rely on it if you structure right. your content well. So Jess, what do you have in the news? All right. So this is from Axios. LinkedIn is the latest tech giant to launch a creator program. And according to the article, LinkedIn is building a creator management team to help grow its community of content creators on the platform. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Okay. Well, let's just go with a quote from LinkedIn's editor-in-chief, Dan Roth. He tweeted, creators are the driving engine of LinkedIn. Um, I was pausing for another. Yeah, I have uh, more, but well, the thing, <laughs> we can stop okay. there. <laughs> there could LinkedIn could be a great content platform. The problem is a lot of these content creators are not creating content. Like maybe this is a good thing. Maybe this creator management team will actually help people create actual content and not some stupid. Um, what is the word? Business um, meme. <laughs> Regurgitation. Um. No, I was going to not anecdotes. It's all like made up anecdotes about like their personal lives and like how like something like this rubber duck their kid has is a metaphor <laughs> for like business. <laughs> it just never makes any sense. And it's like this long post about them or it's something that doesn't belong on LinkedIn. It is just like what is going on? I just want like some popularity and that's not what this should be about. It should be about helpful content. Yeah. So Dan also said that these creators are the ones who often get the ball rolling, create original posts, stories, videos, articles, etc., amplifying new people to follow, sharing news and links and explaining why they're worth our time. And quote from Dan. So that's aspirational. Mark, in your opinion, versus where things are now. <laughs> but it's a nice story. And there's really not too much about this other than those tweets from Dan and the the coverage in Axios and social media today covered it as well. But there's just not a ton of details. Very, very early stages of development. But I can imagine that what this mm -hmm. really does mean eventually is more creative tools, resource hubs, mm -hmm. like the typical buzzwords we hear with creator support. But the, they could all be good things if yes. done right. Yeah. And get rid of that echo chamber of people is talking about how great they are. Yeah. And they're rubber duckies. Bath <laughs> <laughs> time will never be the same again. <laughs> Now it's time for this week's Take of the Week. This is a hashtag fire digital marketing take with extra spice served up for you. We simply deliver the take for your consumption. We give no opinions. We don't influence. You make the call. And this week's take comes from Larry Chassie at L-C-H-A-S-S-E on Twitter. And he says, you ever wonder... How many people actually click that? It just makes me wonder in Google's AI why there is even this as an option. Just caught me as funny, and I've seen this with CPC bid amounts, etc. as well. Some crazy numbers, hashtag PPC chat. And it shows a target CPA for a campaign that he's running. And the current CPA is $20. Another option that he can move to for a target CPA that's recommended by Google, $19.99. He could take it down one cent. And then the other option, so he has $19.99, $20. And the other option for target CPA is $9,934.53. So specific. <laughs> that's my price. So funny. <laughs> yeah, it's just $9,914.53 more than what I'm paying now. Let's do that. I mean, I I really trust their automation. <laughs> it's 
something like that. <laughs> just, yeah, like how can you trust the machine learning when that's Guys, what the recommendation? The computer is. robots know better than we do, so we just have to click it. Get your optimization score up. And now it's time for this week's I see why am I? This is something you just might not have seen. Maybe something that you overlooked, but you shouldn't have. I see why am I people. From 2020, Greg of the Year at PPC Greg. He is quote tweeting Julie Baccini at Neptune Moon. And she said, can we talk about the fact that I have to exclude 350 plus mobile app placements every few days in at Google Ads, despite having every single app category excluded? And Greg quotes it and gives us a true gift. In the ads dashboard, add mobile app category colon colon six nine five zero zero to exclude all app categories as a single category. And that is a lesser known feature. And thank you. And that originally came from Amalia Fowler at Amalia E. Fowler. And the big thing, if you were to continue reading Julie's thread there, she had to stop using GDN for a client because she had over 10,000 exclusions in that campaign. So being able to just plug in that one exclusion and get rid of all of them, it's the difference between using Google Ads and not using Google Ads. Yeah, I mean, or mobile, right? Like, right. I mean, or some people just are like, ah, oh, fine, if I, can't, if I can't turn apps off, I'm just going to get rid of mobile, which isn't mm-hmm. the way it's supposed to work. And this... Seems strange. Again, head over to marketingclock.com to get the phrase to put there and exclude. You just exclude it in and it's like all app categories. Check off. Crazy. I, lo- I love that they call it a lesser known feature here, Greg. I don't think most people know. Well, yeah, and like wouldn't it just <laughs> way be than like, lesser. If it, well, it's also not even really a feature because True. if it was a feature, you would just be able to click a button yeah. and exclude mobile apps. This is it's more a like workaround. genius life hack. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, it's probably like an, for internal use only. Like, we got to really sell this Pixel phone. I'm like, well, everything keeps going up on the app, on apps. How do we turn out? Well, let's do one little workaround for just us internally, and then it leaked out. Mm-hmm. Well, next we'll be all <laughs> setting our CPAs $9,000. That'll be a feature. Oh, my gosh. Well. Should you imagine like, saying that to like the rent song? <laughs> like, <laughs> what your CPA should be? <laughs> too many digits. If it fits in the rent song, it's too high. <laughs> <laughs> that actually is a great rule of thumb. <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. 5,200 minutes? Yes. Much clearer now. <laughs> now it's time for this week's lightning round. Pew, pew. At this point in the show, we split up our content into three parts. Paid, organic, and social. First up in the paid news this week, it's 2020 BFF of the show, Andrea Cruz. Watch out, Azeem's coming for you. (laughs) At Andrea Cruz 92 on Twitter. You should have that memorized by now, how often we say it. LinkedIn Ads is now offering one-to-one sessions with their reps. Hashtag PPC chat. Stepping up their customer service? Question mark. I got this by logging into Business Manager. And it is a little notification that says, Hi, get better results with help from an expert. We'll work one-to-one with you to help you achieve your objectives. It's complimentary. Register today. 
And then you could enter your email address and submit it, or you can dismiss it. And I'm really not surprised that they're offering this grade of support because LinkedIn is owned by Microsoft and Microsoft ads also has the best support in the Mm -hmm. game. So this really is not a surprising turn of events. I'm actually surprised it took this long, but the only surprising thing that I had from this was the image that they chose. It's two people with their feet almost Mm -hmm. touching and wasn't Mm -hmm. the best COVID image to use for a meeting because what am I going in person and sitting in a chair next to you and pointing at a poster <laughs> discussing with art my, yeah. like, what are we doing my here? LinkedIn ads expert where we, I actually have a great bond with my LinkedIn ads expert where we both we gather like once a week to com- look at abstract art <laughs> look at this Jackson Pollock it was extra splattery this week it's beautiful. We should be grateful. Ex- exactly this is our criticism. what my ads experts okay. said. Oh, hey, okay. I, I nothing, no criticism. Then I take it back. Redacted. <laughs> Next up in the paid news, we're making our way over um, to Wally World. <laughs> and as we have mentioned on previous episodes, Walmart is working with Trade Desk to launch their own DSP this spring, so that brands can leverage Walmart's own first-party data that it collects from initiatives like their loyalty program to drive sales both in stores um, and online in this post-cookie world where these advertisers have less targeting options on platforms like Facebook. However, Kate K of DigiDay wanted to point out that Walmart's DSP, while that will help them like collect advertisers, it's really not going to help them compete with Amazon and gain an edge on them. From her analysis, she thinks that the budgets that companies are going to start allocating towards Walmart's DSP are more likely to come from their general retail promotion budget pools rather than any existing advertising budgets. Basically, in order to be competitive, Walmart's DSP needs to have complete campaign transparency and the ability to attribute both online and in-store sales um, to the spend on the platform. They currently do not have a solution for attributing in-store purchases to DSP campaigns, and it is currently unclear how much data Walmart's actually going to share with advertisers, and they're really going to need to do both if they expect to be competitive with Amazon and actually have people move their budgets from Amazon to Walmart's DSP. Nice. Big takeaway here. Love the name Kate K from Digiday. It really flows off the tongue, right? Yeah, it's very like um, Marvel, right? Yeah, like it'd be in a mm-hmm. comic book. It's a, it's an iconic name. Yeah, like it's something you remember. It's very like um, like you're a dignitary. <laughs> yeah, you don't you don't mess with Kate. No, Kate K of Digiday. <laughs> <laughs> she needs her own little like jingle. Go for it. <laughs> I would write it, but I really don't want to take away Greg's song of the year title that he had in the 2020 Clockskers. Let him have it. Oh my gosh. Wow, I can't believe who's next up in the paid news this week. It is Mark <laughs> T. Salt Rally at Marketing by Mark on Twitter. And Mark had a very sassy tweet that says, 
Well, that didn't take long. Hashtag PPC chat. And I'm going to stop talking in the third person (laughs) because this is very hard to keep up. But I had a nice screenshot from Google Ads. And last week when we were talking about the elimination of broad match modified and that phrase match and broad match modified are being merged into one match type that will be known as phrase match, despite it not really being phrase match, that um, Julie Bacini said that how long is it before Google starts aggressively promoting us to use broad match? And pretty much immediately after when this change took place, I just happened to like be curious and clicked on the optimization score from one of my campaigns. And it said, top recommendation for you, use broad match versions of your keywords. <laughs> Plus 17 and a half percent, which again is significant. Most of the things in your recommendation score are between zero and 10%. Um, It says, get more conversions at a similar or better ROI. Mm. Hmm. Better ROI from Broadmatch. I I will believe it when I see it. Um, By expanding the reach of your smart bidding campaigns. Plus 7.29 conversions and a $255 cost. No. (laughs) No. Like, that is insane. These are already... By the way, the keywords in this campaign are already pretty broad for this client, which is why I have it on target CPA, because if it goes over that CPA, it's not worth it. So, no, I will not be adding broad match. Thank you. Next. And this is this is the fundamental problem with these recommendations is there's no way anybody could trust what Google is saying. When you have a set specific things that we now see load like it's i'm loading when you have a set grouping of specific things loading and you see my raise your budgets recommendations are loading my use broad match is loading my use max conversions is loading none of those things is artificial intelligence or machine learning it's not you could not implement at, a, at the same budget, implementing broad match and implementing maximized conversion bidding and have success. You, it, w- it just wouldn't, I mean, I guess if, if it was such a low budget, like five, if it was egregiously low maybe, but none of these things are working in conjunction together. They're just recommendations to expand what you're doing. And I, I don't, I'm not going to rant today. But I had a tweet out there where I said, sooner than later, the Google Ads partner badge will be a badge of shame. And if you're one of the people that are going to keep your badge and start putting people in your clients that are paying you money to be a steward of their ad budget and you're putting them into broad match because you need to hit 17.5% so you can keep your partner badge, that is sad it's depressing and it's all of these things are just so they're just depressing and i'm not not gonna do it every time every time i just take everybody's morale take it right down Uh, i don't know it's mm -hmm. it's you're not wrong though so it's so 
I get so angry thinking about what they're doing to their platform. That it's 17.5% of your optimization score is by adding broad match to your keywords. What if the campaign isn't a broad match campaign? You're just loading it across the board. What if you have a different, like again, I'm going to cut this I'm not going to rant today. <laughs> too late. <laughs> I didn't rant today. It's just a little too long. I don't know. A little too late. Mm-hmm. Anyway, it's, these things are are not, you can tell it's not, when they load and you don't see something like remove broad match or lower your budgets, you know it's not machine learning and, and artificial intelligence. You know it is pushing incentives and initiatives, yeah. and that's the problem. And I think that's actually like you brought up something new there, like in that little mini rant. Where it wasn't a rant. <laughs> I called it a mini rant. Okay. So I feel like that was fair. <laughs> but you're right. If they're not going the other way with it, where they're like, test this and then yeah. telling you to take it away after testing it if it doesn't work out, that's how you know it's them pushing an agenda and not them trying to help you. So if if it really was them trying to help you out, I, I talked about this in the business of digital podcast with Dave and Matt. What if all these recommendations put you into an experiment? Imagine that. They said, try broad match, and they put you into an experiment, and they added everything in as broad match into the experiment, and you could see factually which one was better, the original or the experiment. That would be a smart thing to do. That would be some sort of intelligence in the artificial intelligence. Yeah. Yeah, if you don't load, like if you don't load pause broad match, how could you possibly trust these recommendations? I'm just going to give that a, yeah. a slight round of applause because that is an amazing take. Well, thank you. And I was thinking I was transitioning next to be like, let's pick it up from that depression. But I think <laughs> Greg already picked us up from the depression. So you're going to get this nice surprise anyway from Jeremy Packy at Jeremy Packy, spelled P-A-C-K-E-E on Twitter. This is a pleasant surprise. You can now add a new column to view, filter, and edit negative keyword lists applied to your campaigns. And he shows a little screenshot of him looking at the search terms in his Google Ads account. And you can see there's a new column that's negative keyword lists and has links to the negative keyword lists. And this is great. Um, It's nice that you don't need to go look for your negative keyword list. You can just kind of click it and open it in a new tab and automatically just like quickly add those negative keywords you want to those lists. So that's actually helpful. Yeah, I love it. Can't wait for them to take it away. (laughs) (laughs) And now our segment, Beyond Google Ads. Google doesn't care about you. But we do. And this week we have Microsoft Advertising. And you know, we are a Microsoft Advertising Stan podcast here. If you are using anything in Microsoft Advertising, you might see a little lightning bolt and automate right within your campaigns or ad groups or keywords. And what you can do with this automate is you can make little rules right within the Microsoft Advertising interface, which is nice. So not only can you say, I want to increase to the top of page, or increase to first page bid. You can say, I wanna pause things, 
or I want to get notifications. And I think that's the big thing Mm -hmm. is it is very, very easy to use this automate to set little rules to notify you when things happen within Microsoft. Um, And again, they allow you to say, I'm going to pause bids when it gets to this amount, or I'm going to pause keyword, like anything. So check it out. The automate, it's a simple way to make rules right from within the interface. And it's something that could be a big benefit for your campaigns. Mm-hmm. Well, that's, I love that so much. That is love Microsoft doing something that's actually helpful to advertisers. So thank you for that tip, Greg. What is happening over in the world of organic? Well, we've got something that's a little scary here. And Google, ah. my business, has been seen auto-populating services. So <laughs> you just want to check your settings. That can't be a problem. <laughs> Barry Schwartz has it covered over in at Search Engine Roundtable. And the example was for a personal injury attorney. And the auto-recommended services that were put on there were quite extensive. It's all the way from medical malpractice, mass torts, neck injuries, motor vehicle. Like there's a lot in there that you might not cover as a personal injury Mm -hmm. attorney, especially like the malpractice stuff. There's like mass torts and it gets a little hairy. So you should just check it out. It is a, a very... Scary thing, because like, what are you gonna do? Like, then you got to do it. Like, what yeah. it's like, oh, it's on your thing. Then you get bad reviews. I don't know. Well, and yeah. even not even that, but sometimes you don't want to promote certain services because like there's kind of a connotation with them, and you don't want to be like marketing them and putting them in people's faces. Like, you only want to offer those services when someone comes to you for them. Exactly. And to that point, what was auto added was birth injury and childbirth injuries, and it's like maybe you don't want to be like. I'm going to promote these things that are kind of sensitive topics. But the one thing I thought that was kind of funny, but not really funny from the services added, a lot of these things are like very specific to litigation where it's like employment discrimination, nursing home negligence, medication errors. And then what they added was just two little words, dog bite. <laughs> dog bite. <laughs> it's like, did you what, mosquito bite your service? too? Yeah. Your service is bring them in, bring them in, and we'll get you bitten by a dog. Woof. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Next up, Amazon has acquired Cells, a seven-year-old startup that helps entrepreneurs sell products online. Of course, Cells couldn't be spelled S-E-L-L-S. It is S-E-L-Z. Ooh. I honestly, I'm so old. I thought it was Cel- Celez, but it's Cells. <laughs> so Amazon it's not is not con- a perfume. That's <laughs> what I thought. I'm like, oh, maybe it's fancy, but no, they're not. So this deal signifies the continued focus on third-party sellers as Amazon is trying to face off the competition of Shopify and all the cool stuff Shopify is doing. All right, next up, Wednesday, Google had launched its news showcase and this was actually last wednesday the 10th but we had recorded before this time and so google will now start paying uk publishers for news we've talked about this a bit with australia in the past Mm -hmm. and this is only going to be for a very specific type of news so this is for the google news showcase which we talked about last year was launching so 
The deal is for one is with 120 British publications, including the Financial Times and Reuters, and they'll be paid a licensing fee to produce news extracts that appear in the Google News Showcase. And the reports say that the publishers will receive a few million dollars a year from Google. And you're probably thinking like, hey, we need to get marketing clock, maybe search engine journal mm-hmm. in here. Let's get like a few million dollars. Let's make some like, money. How else, are we, how else are we going to pay for our human head mics? Exactly. But here is the thing that's of value. So they said, as part of our licensing agreements with publishers, we're also launching the ability for readers to access select paywall content. This feature will give readers the opportunity to read more of a publisher's content than they would otherwise have access to. So again, there's something there, likely uh, give and take, I'd say, both ways. All right, next up, Google is trying out a new dark theme. And this comes from Barry Schwartz. And this really wouldn't be main news, but you can flip over to dark mode. The big news is from Search Engine Land, is he says, the ads are hard to distinguish. It is much harder to see the ad label in the Google dark theme than it is in the light theme. And he's not wrong. Mm. When you look at it, mm-hmm. yeah. it is not as prominent when you're in dark it's, mode. It's not as bolded. It's plain text, it looks like. Well, I think that the ad is... I think that, yeah, you're right. I don't know. It just doesn't pop. The They're way also that little different ads. Yeah, that's true. Oh, is this another before and after? Oh, God. We don't actually not know. Again. <laughs> just not again. I'm going to bring it up twice. Again, head on over, sign up for our newsletter, you get all the articles every week delivered to your inbox. Next up from Glenn Gabe. We talked about it last week. He put out a survey asking how the impact of getting more information from Search Console would affect webmasters. And he has the results. He put out a fantastic thread, a Twitter thread. You can check it out at Glenn Gabe. Everybody listening right now should pause and follow him. But he said, last week I published a post about the need for larger exports from GSC's coverage reporting. In the post, I included a survey, and we have the answers. 32% of respondents work on sites with the 10K to 100K URLs. 29 work on 1 million plus URLs. 19 in the 1K to 10K. You can see all the information. But the big kicker is that 90% of respondents said that larger exports from the coverage reporting would be a game changer. So that's fantastic. And I know Google actually put something else out, probably spurred by Glenn. So if you're interested to see some of the sizes of those 154 responses, check it out over on Twitter. All right. And lastly here this week, Google has more ways to pay for parking and transit. So first off, they're expanding the ability to pay for transit fares right from maps for over 80 transit agencies around the world. So you'd be able to buy tickets to your transportation needs. Um, I don't know the 80, you can go check out the example. And then the bigger thing that is probably gonna be impacting folks, well, I don't know if it's bigger. Maybe a lot of people buy, use maps for public transit. I just don't know how big, how good the maps are in public transit. But they're going to integrate with Passport and Park Mobile, so you can pay your meter right from Maps, and you don't have to go to the meter altogether. 
again, it has to be somebody that is hooked up with Passport or Park Mobile. You won't be able to. Okay, bud, mm-hmm. what's happening in social? All right. First up in social this week, bringing us into week three of earnings updates from social platforms, because I know y'all aren't bored with that yet. Twitter has posted record revenue with $1.29 billion of revenue in Q4 of 2020, which is up 28% year over year. And also looking at MDAU, or MDAO as I like to say, they're monetizable daily active users. Q4 is also up year over year at 37 million users in the US compared to 31 in Q4 of 2019. Globally, they're up to 192 million from 152 last year. So that's looking year over year. However, quarter over quarter growth is not quite as drastic. They added four or five million total users in Q4, and I don't actually know which of that it is because apparently there was a mathematical anomaly in Q3 <laughs> that seems to have confused things, says Andrew That's Hutchinson. Allowed? That's allowed in the stock market. <laughs> oh, mathematical anomaly. Yeah. Math is science. They're just like, LOL, anomaly. These right? are just numbers. Like, whatever. <laughs> the difference between four and five, not so big. Four and five million, very large difference. We may never know. Next wait, up, wait, it's a, more, wait, it's a publicly wait. traded company You're having wait. mathematical anomalies. Guys, we yeah. just have like a, we have a lot of users. Like it might be four million, it might be like five million, but like just know it's like in the millions. We're fantastic, or billions, several millions, you know, yeah, or thousands. What if it was four million versus five billion? What if there's a typo and a mathematical anomaly? Yeah, maybe they should we need publish this, this report. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what it is. That's going to be my answer to any client. I don't know. No, mathematical anomaly. <laughs> what does that mean? Your calculator broke? CPA could be $20. It could be $9,943.53. All right. Remember last week when we broke the news that new monetization features were coming to TikTok? You guys remember that? No. Yes, you do. (laughs) I swear you were listening to me. I did say it. So the platform is really investing heavily in this e-commerce push, and they have now revealed a new education portal. You don't say it. Portal. Thank you. Called TikTok Shop Seller University. It is currently being tested in Indonesia, and the hub will, quote, help you do business on TikTok. Thank you. We offer a full suite of lessons on seller tools, policies, and the latest updates to the shop. Start to learn and sell big, end quote. (laughs) Sell big, kids. (laughs) The fact that they named it TikTok Shop colon Seller University, it sounds like they couldn't decide whether they wanted to call it TikTok Shop or Or Seller Seller University. University. They're like, we'll just call it both. We'll call it both. And you could sell big, but they didn't put a Z in there to to their credit, right? All right. Sells big. Sells big. <laughs> and now you can cook big too because TikTok is also rolling out a new integration with Whisk, which allows creators to post links to recipes related to their food videos. So basically, you can add a C full recipe CTA over your frozen pizza clip if you're me and you're on TikTok, which I am not. Have you guys heard of Whisk though? I had never heard of it until I read this article. Like the kitchen utensil? Not the item. The social platform? It's not quite a social the garbage platform. garbage shopping app, did you say? Whisk? Wish. Whisk. Oh, Whisk. No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> no, it seems really cool. You can put your recipes up there and turn it into shopping lists for folks, but they also have creators because every platform has creators. I don't know. Check it out if you're into food. Not to whisk us away from TikTok, but we're going to talk about someone else for a second here. Instagram. And I'm going to quote Andrew Hutchinson here because, as usual, he's got something sassy to say, and I love it. He says, while audio live streaming is having its moment, Instagram is still catching up on the last big live streaming trend with Instagram chief Adam Masseri revealing that. That's the title? Instagram chief? 
That's the title. He's says, like, yeah, I'm the chief. I'm the chief Instagram. <laughs> it says that in the I copy pasted this I'm quote. I'm just saying that's His a pretty words, cool title. Not mine. It's a mathematical anomaly. Anyway, Adam Masseri says the company is planning to launch multi-participant IG live video chats within the next few weeks, which maybe a little behind the times, but it doesn't seem like a bad feature. But my favorite thing is, did you guys see the example in the article that they shared? It's got several creators. Maybe I'm supposed to know who they are, but there's a dog in there. And I just feel like they're trying to capitalize off of that latest Zoom mishap where there was a cat in court. and They just stuck a dog in here. In reality, well, I think this, if it wasn't a pandemic and people being just so annoyed with zoom and google meets and all this video chat could be a lot better than clubhouse i think it would be way more interesting to see to Elon see Musk yeah. than hear him talking and in, in that but i also Check get someone else well i was just going with the biggest <laughs> the biggest clubhouse chat there we'll go with uh i don't know who anyone anyone i feel like, like the cool. visual element correct. is nice. in clubhouse. yeah <laughs> um, but I, I'd rather see people than than just listen to a bunch of people talking. I don't know. Oh, it makes it much less awkward. Except for the fact that then I feel like I'm in the pandemic again, which we are. Yeah. I mean, yeah. Newsflash. If, if anyone is <laughs> unsure, we're still in a pandemic. I don't know. I mean, the other thing too here, which not to say that Instagram has just been copying other people because they have been, but this is at least unique, right? With the visual element of this, they're a visual platform. They know their audience. They're not trying to do a clubhouse clone. But then the minute you put these stupid filters on and people make themselves look insane, I just, then it's like, what are we doing? Then it's just like, what, group chat, I guess? Like I like the, the one woman, her filter, like it looks like, it's like a making fun of Facetune, but I do not understand what's going on with that guy. Like, I think it's supposed to be like a space helmet. See an I'm astronaut? Really sure. Yeah, or it's one of those helmets with the straws and two cups. Exactly. It's yeah. it's confusing to me and to my people. <laughs> All right. Well, moving on, if you thought that we were done talking politics for at least three years, you were wrong. But I will keep it quick, just as an FYI. Facebook announced this week that they're going to be testing changes to the news feed focused on reducing the distribution of political content. So that's there for you. And now... That's weird. Why? I don't know. You want to see more political content? Like they should make it a big button where you can kind of choose. Isn't that just strange where you're like, I'm going to just remove... Poli-? Like, Yeah, well, it seems... Again, this is going to come under scrutiny again, is that you can't really like you shouldn't be like manipulating the types of content they're distributing. You should work on fighting misinformation. But beyond that, I think you need to let the organic nature of things run its course. Also, like make it like Google Discover. You can be like, do you want to see less of this or more of this? That would be nice about anything. And even phrase it to be like, hey, do you want to see less politics? Hit this button. Yeah. But it's weird just to be like, oh, yeah. we're just going to trim this right out. And because, like, what if it's something important? Mm-hmm. Because politics, I understand it's very divisive today. But if things were normal, politics, like removing political c- conversation is a problem. Like, politics are important, you know? Yeah. And I think while there's a lot of like, bad political conversations that happen on social media. There's also a lot of productive ones that happen as well. Mm. So just removing that or like significantly reducing it doesn't, it seems lazy. Right. Just a blanket. We're getting it out of here is strange. Yeah. Well, you guys are kind of, 
hitting what Sarah Perez from TechCrunch, this was her article, you're kind of getting at what she was getting at. So definitely if you want more insightful conversation like that, because this is obviously something serious, definitely check the link from our newsletter because Sarah gets into it and, and talks quite a bit about what Mark and Greg just were. But back to Clubhouse clones and how Instagram's not doing it, Facebook is. So prepare to roll your eyes and or your ears. They are apparently developing their own version of Clubhouse, and it's still in the very, very early stages of development, but I'm sure we will hear more about it soon. They're so late. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, (laughs) at least I got a good pun in there. Okay. (laughs) Something else of note, LinkedIn has published a digital magazine called Return to Growth 2021, and this publication has interviews, case studies, tips, and more to help businesses develop effective marketing strategies in 2021 and really bounce back from 2020. Isn't that a blog? A digital magazine? Yeah. Yeah, I think the only difference is it doesn't have that nice smell hot off the press. Do you like to smell a magazine? Blog, it, does. <laughs> it has a cover. <laughs> it has a cover. You can flip through. It's like an e-zine or whatever kids used to say. An e-book? An e-book, yeah. Whatever it is. They're calling it a digital magazine, but I think it's really nice. It's like in-tune content to their audience on the platform, what people need. I no, like to see this. I don't want a digital magazine. Well, you don't have to read I just want, I want something to post. Do you want one-on-one support with your art in the no, background? No, I know art. I know art. It's He's not a nice about guy, knowing the art. It's yeah. about getting to know the art. Well, you can get to know the art of how to bounce back from 2020 if you read this digital magazine. <laughs> All right. So last up here, and this is not really news, but it needs to be said. We have a tweet from Adam Singer at Adam Singer on Twitter. He is, quote, tweeting Paul Graham at Paul G, who says Reddit is unique on social media. 15 years after launching, it still hasn't peaked. And Paul has these graphs of essentially the Google search volume around different platforms. And it's really cute. MySpace just came and went and all these other platforms are peaking. Some are coming back, but they've clearly seen their heyday. And Reddit is just climbing up. So Adam Singer says, every other social product over-optimizes for novelty, engagement, and short-term KPIs. Reddit took what's worked for decades, niche forums, and didn't try to copy-paste features no one asked for, like stories. Not getting in the way of organic digital communities is smart. Facebook, how's that Clubhouse clone going to work out for you? We'll see. Now it's time for this week's WTH. Misguided. You're like, who does that? <laughs> Just get rid of it. I'm over it. Where we rant, rave, and roll our eyes about our trending digital marketing topic. What are we coming to? Honestly. See what had us asking. W-T-H. This week. This week's WTH is going to take a little bit more of a serious note than what we usually have. And unlike when we call Google criminal for act, for doing things that make us not trust them, this is very actual criminal activity against the law. From Carolyn Leiden of Search Engine Land at Carolyn Leiden on Twitter, a Google ad setting allowed advertisers to exclude people of unknown gender. And I'm going to quote Carolyn's article, employers, landlords, and credit providers could keep their ads from showing to people of unknown gender, enabling discrimination against non-binary individuals. And this move is, uh, end quote, um, is literally against Google's own personalized advertising policy and is 100% absolutely unlawful discrimination um, according to the laws we have in the U.S., 
quote, um, to quote Leiden again, however, mistakes like these exclusions bring into question the effectiveness of cohorts based on commonalities. This is, end quote, speaking of switching to flock from cookies and like grouping people together. Um, quote again, especially when individuals cannot opt out of being included in those buckets. I do not know why I included that quote. Just um, get rid of that last scratch one. that part? Yeah. Um, so it would be from 100% unlawful discrimination to right here. Mm-hmm. Yep, this is literally just illegal. These people should not be able to exclude or include um, gender-based audiences. And this specifically, like, they couldn't exclude um, male or female from this campaign, but they were able to exclude that bucket of gender unknown by Google. Um, and it, it's just sad. Like, that's awful. All right, now to our segment segments here and something way less awful and something super fun. If you want to head over to Clubhouse and you don't have a good bio, there's a new Clubhouse bio generator, and I'm going to hit random here. And I'm going to read off my randomized Clubhouse bio generator on the fly. And it says, 4X Pensive Fundraiser, working on an intersection of fitness and big data, shared ideas with Vanilla Ice at Comic-Con once, Logan Paul, Madison Avenue, Hot Yoga, producing important partnerships that drive power. Currently reading an introduction to cannabis. Do something today that your future self will thank you for. Craig, that sounds just like you. <laughs> it's me. <laughs> Logan so, Paul. So if you need a good bio and you can't think of something, our, our Woter, RJT, has you covered with this. And lastly, every once in a while, there's something that will just instantly make it go viral as a brand. And from the BBC News, full face hot wax TikTok videos prompt warnings. So if you want to go viral, you can just take hot wax, put it all over your full face, cover everything up, your eyes, your mouth, your nose. It's basically like waterboarding with wax, wax boarding. Uh, don't do this. I'm just joking. It's <laughs> crazy like what people time. are doing. I think they'll be fine with my beard, right? Oh, yeah. uh, hurt oh it hurts no. so bad. And that brings us to our real life segment, straight out of our accounts and into your ear holes. It's time for Working Hard or Hardly Working, where we talk about what's going on in our IRL work, good, bad, or otherwise. Um, a few weeks ago, we talked about how Unbounce Smart Traffic, they started including external conversion goals. So if you weren't using their lead gen forms, you could now use your own forms and have your own conversions that are set and still use smart traffic, which is new. So I used it with one of my clients that we were using HubSpot forms with um, because we use progressive profiling. And I switched from the A-B test where we were testing form placement on the page to smart traffic and conversions went up 50% wow. across those campaigns. So that was awesome to see smart traffic actually really working and it is machine learning that actually helps you <laughs> so thank you for expanding smart traffic unbounce 
Jess, what is going on with you? All right. So for me this week, we had a new client and we were trying to get some tracking set up on their site. It is a WordPress site and we were using Google Tag Manager, Google Analytics to look at what we were setting up and making sure that it was working. And we could not see ourselves in the real-time reports in Google Analytics and we couldn't figure out what the problem was because the Tag Manager debugger said everything was working. Turns out it's a WordPress site. Like I said, they were using the SiteKit plugin from Google and there is a setting in there where you can exclude yourself from GA so that your own traffic when you're logged into WordPress is not being tracked in GA. So that's why we weren't seeing ourselves. So just a heads up, if you're using SiteKit and you run into that problem, definitely check that out. It's a good setting to have for sure, but it was a new client for us and we didn't know that was there. So that was our problem. So something to keep an eye out for. Greg? Cool. And something from me, stolen from Cole on our team, who I hear might be on the Agency Scoop with Jill Fetcher, our newest agency podcast oh, here on Cybersnort. We have a client that is launching all new products. Right now is uh, selling only women's sizing. And we're running a lot of shopping campaigns and something hardly working. Google, you can't remove men from the gender. Uh, Microsoft advertising shopping, you can remove men's gender targeting because there's no men's sizing yet. We're excited when it comes in and we'll t- turn that back on. But just note, you can in Microsoft advertising specific, uh, specify what gender it's going after if you're targeting a specific product. And now for this week's cool tool. As a reminder, our cool tool segment is not an official endorsement or paid mention. We're simply sharing something we found in our travels that may be of use to our listeners and is really, really cool. This week's cool tool is a Google Ads script to help you predict the impact the sunset of broad match modified keywords will have on your account. This script from Frederick Valleys produces a report about your keyword match type breakdown, including full versus partial broad match modified, and how many keywords will then be duplicates once this changeover to phrase has rolled out. Frederick's accompanying post on Search Engine Journal has lots of great insight too into what advertisers should expect with this change. So definitely go and give it a read and then grab the script from it so you can start planning ahead and bracing yourself for the changes to come. He's got a version for both single ads accounts as well as manager accounts, which is the artist formerly known as MCC. So head on over to our newsletter for the link and check it out. Now it's time for our must-read marketing article of the week. An article so advanced, so in-depth, so detailed, that we simply cannot cover it in its entirety on today's show. And this week's must-read marketing article of the week comes from user Querdy Hwayop over on Reddit. It's really from Ben Goodley, who runs the How the FXCK podcast. And he had a post over on Reddit that was called How to Start a Podcast Even If You're a Nobody. And you know, coming from three nobodies over here, this <laughs> advice is really good. Wait, it, who? <laughs> 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 He talks about a standard go-to template for inviting people to the podcast, why I think people always say yes, why you have more value than you think, why co-creating content is what every marketer needs to be doing, and then breaks it down. 13 steps for setting up your own podcast. Started off by saying, just reached out to April Dunford, I believe, and got a yes and just went from there. Got Rand Fishkin, a bunch of different people on, and he breaks down how you can get good guests, and it's over on Reddit. It's a fantastic and very short read, not really an article, but it's worth it. And 
that's why you listen to the show. Great content. Thank you, Ben. All right. That does it for today's show. It is now officially not Marketing O'Clock. Remember, you can catch everything from this show on marketingoclock.com. While you're there, please be sure to subscribe so you don't miss a single episode. And we will see you next week. Thanks for listening to Marketing O'Clock, part of the Search Engine Journal Podcast Network. If you're looking for more information on today's topics, head over to marketingoclock.com for links to all the articles that we covered. And please be sure to subscribe so that you don't miss a single episode. Welcome to this week's Shooting the Hack. We're after our famous Friday news show. We don't talk about marketing anymore. We just shoot the hack. And this week, we're going to play everybody's favorite game, Two Kinds of People. The answer is binary. You have one choice one answer you are one or the other and this week we are joined by our fabulous intern producer caleb and caleb is going to be on as well but we're going to start with jess and mark just so caleb can see how this goes Mm. because there's two kinds of people people that when they have a driveway are meticulous about removing all of the snow from the driveway and people that just say ah heck it i don't care two kinds of people jess buzzing in um, Caleb, you don't have to buzz in. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> Bad example. <laughs> Once a year when it's my job to shovel the driveway, I am meticulous. I'll shovel and then I go back and reshovel the little bit mm-hmm. of snow that's left between strokes. I can't have that. I can't. It, it, mm-hmm. no. I mean, that doesn't surprise me because you're the, also the person that in Joys scraping the snow off your car, I so you really it. like like it. moving snow off of things. My favorite. <laughs> I am definitely not meticulous. I am like it just needed it shoveled to a point where I can get my car in and out. I'm gonna there's gonna be some snow on the edges. There's gonna be some packed snow. As long as I can move my car and I'm not gonna slip in any ice, then I'm good. Caleb, what say you? I feel like. By the time I end up shoveling anyway, it's still snowing. Like, I'll just give it, like, two hours or something or before my dad gets back, and I'm just like, all right, it's time to shovel, and then it starts snowing. So I think at that point, it's just whatever. It is it is how it is. You can't really worry about it being perfect. Here's my thing. I barely shovel. I don't care at all. I don't care at all. I have a car. I, have a car. I know how to drive in the snow. My wife has a car with four-wheel drive, and can sometimes get out of the driveway. <laughs> sounds like her problem. I know how to drive. I can get out of Do you own a shovel? Or do you I do own a shovel. Like, I'll shovel at the very end, but I don't care. Like I don't get. I will shovel one little path for anybody delivering things so that they're safe and sound. That's I nice. always do that, mm-hmm. but I don't care what my driveway looks like. I just don't care. I don't yeah. understand it. Yeah. Well, I don't want you to think I care what my driveway looks like because I don't. It's more about <laughs> I've started this project. I need to do it right. I see people like treating it like they're vacuuming for royalty oh those are no. the same people that like sweep the driveway with a broom in the summer Aww. yeah get lost oh, are you gonna start doing that now yep <laughs> <laughs> all right and lastly here we humans need to innovate and what once used to be the perfect cookie the oreo you can't do that anymore there's kind of now mm-hmm. the alternatives right so oreo now has if you're gonna buy it, let's just say you're not gonna buy a, a normal Oreo. You're gonna go with one of the alternatives. Sorry, let me redo this again. Okay, so we're gonna get rid of the, the classic on this and we're gonna go with 
Oreo alternatives. And there's all these different flavors out there, right? But I think it gets to the part of why you like the Oreo. So many people know there's Oreo double stuff, classic. But now there's Oreo thins with less frosting in the middle. What what are you, less frosting the thins or more frosting the double stuff, Jess? Double stuffed all day long. And I will still break it in half and eat the little cookie on its own to enjoy it without the frosting because it's very good. But when you sink your teeth into that double stuffing, like there is nothing sweeter. And I don't know why people would want Mm -hmm. half of that. Those people are not people. They are aliens. (laughs) They're not from this planet. That thin product, that's like creamy peanut butter. Why would you not want the crunch? Like get rid of it. That's another Talk to Caleb about that. He's allergic to peanuts. I know. I'm sorry. I'm so sorry. I'm missing out, right? I'm like really upset because I thought your question was, I mean, I should have known this wasn't the question because it's two types of people. But I was like, oh, he's going to ask us like which alternative of Oreo, we all like the best, but there's way too many for that to oh be too Oh my gosh, with carrot cake, <laughs> Halloween Oreo, because it tastes say, the same. Like, regular, because I was getting mad that you kept saying classic Oreo, and I'm like, no one should be eating the classic Oreo. You have to be eating the double stuffed. You're wasting your time if you're not having the double stuffed. I don't even think the regular Oreo should exist anymore. I think double stuff should be the standard. Ooh, and wow, the fact wow. that Hot like, take. Yeah. like disagree. barely <gasps> any stuffing Oreo um, exists is a crime. That is hashtag criminal. You like, I bet that's what they have in the break rooms at Google. Yeah, but is the half <laughs> oh, Caleb, Here right. comes Caleb who must work for Google. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I think when it comes to like, uh, an Oreo cookie, it, given between the two, you have to go like double stuff every single oh, time. Thank goodness. But in regards to what Mark said, I think sometimes you need the normal ones because you feel you feel better about eating ten of those than you do about <laughs> three of the double stuff. You know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I didn't see that coming. Just the question. What is <laughs> All right, and my answer. My answer is the right answer. There's no right or wrong in this game, but I have the right answer. It's the thins. Nobody oh, likes that wow. garbage white paste. That's <laughs> awful excuse for frosting in the middle of the cookie. I don't want Terrible anything. Taste. I don't even want a Terrible thin taste. frosting level. I just want the chocolate cookie. <laughs> That's all I want. That's all I care about. Get lost with that garbage over sugary frosting. And we will see you next week.